0: Father, I just thank you for your word, just thank you for your presence, I just thank you for our family, Lord, just such a a privilege to be part of this amazing team, and Father, we just uh, commit this time to you, Father, we thank you for all the amazing things you've already done, the encounters we've had in worship this morning, the uh, miracles that have been released here, and Father, we thank you for that, and uh, Lord, we just know this, just as we uh, open the word, I pray that you're just anointed now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Today I want to start a series called Say What? (laughs) I knew someone would do that. (laughs) There's always one, eh, Sully? (laughs) And what I want to do in this series, I want to actually look at the power of our words. You know, our words can actually or are actually a powerful force in our lives. They can help extend the kingdom of God in our lives and bring life to those we encounter. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to start the series with the story of, of Zacharias and Elizabeth. They're the mum and dad of John the Baptist. Now, John was the cousin of Jesus. But more than that, he was going to come and stir the hearts of the nation of Israel and prepare the way for Jesus to enter human history. He's the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And this this particular story we're going to read this morning is where his parents actually are about to find out that they're pregnant. So Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. Ab- 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 yeah, him. <laughs> now, that actually does one of two things for you. It either really encourages you that your pastor can't actually pronounce those words, or it really concerned you. Anyhow, we'll, we won't worry His wife was the daughter's of Aaron. His wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense. When he went into the temple of the Lord and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense then an angel appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense and when Zechariah saw him he was troubled and fear fell upon him but the angel said to him do not be afraid Zechariah for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you'll have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to, to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am old... For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was spent, sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until to the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now, you know, if you've been around here any period of time, you know that one of the things that we are very strong about is that God has plans and purposes for your life. That you need to know your identity and your purpose to engage in the call of God for your life. But there are plan- God has plans and purposes that he intends to do in you, through you, and around you. The Bible is very clear on this. God wants to do great things in you, God wants to do great things through you and God wants to do great things around you. We see this in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So there are plans that God has for you and there are purposes that he intends for you. Psalm 33, verse 11 says the same thing, talking about the nations. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. Forever. The purpose of his heart through all generations. So, God wants to do great things. He has purposes and plans. There are things He intends in your life. He wants things, He wants to do things in you, through you, and around you. And here we see a a story where the angel comes to Zacharias and he actually reveals those plans to him. I mean, the angel shows up, Zacharias is burning incense, and an angel appears. And it says he was standing on the right side of the altar. Now, the right side of the, is always a place of authority and favor. If you ever read that in the Bible, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. It speaks of authority. So this angel is speaking with the full authority of God behind him. And he says, Zacharias, your prayer has been answered. You've been praying for a child, and you're now about to have a child. And then this angel lays out how this child is going to be pivotal in what God is about to do in all the earth. Verses 16, he says, He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Going to turn hearts. Of children to their fathers. That's the last verse of the Old Testament. It was a prophetic, one of the most powerful prophetic messianic promises that the Jewish people were holding on to. And the other one talking about making, preparing the way of the Lord. There were powerful Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. And this angel appears to Zacharias and declares those words over his son. <coughs> Excuse me. He's telling him all the purposes and plans. But then at the end of the story, he suddenly makes Zacharias mute. He says, you're not going to be able to speak until these things happen. Why is that? Simply because there was unbelief in the heart of Zacharias. And that belief, that unbelief that was in his heart would eventually pop out of his mouth. What was in his heart, he would eventually speak. And so the angel says, here's the deal, I'm going to make you mute. You didn't believe me, so I'm going to make you mute, because Zacharias, your words matter. You see, one of the things we need to understand is this. Not only does God come and reveal his plan to you, his plans to work in you, his plans to work through you and around you, he actually is inviting us to partner with him to see those plans and those purposes come about. He invites us to partner with him. In both the plans in my life and in the plans in the world that I am part of. He invites us to partner with him. But sometimes because of our unbelief of the words we declare, he can't work with us. So right here in the story, what he does is he sticks Zacharias on mute. Because he couldn't have Zacharias undermining what he intended to do through the birth of John. You see, one of the things that we have to realise, and this is very clearly set out in Scripture... Words matter. Our words have a lot of power. And if we want to partner with God and what he wants to do, then our words matter in that partnership. Our words matter in that process. Proverbs 18. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. God says, come and and, and partner with me in your life. Let me partner with me in the things I'm about to do through your life. You know, and he tells us, this is what I want to do. And, and in a story he tells Zacharias, but because of the unbelief in Zacharias's heart that would eventually pop out of his mouth, he made him mute. He said, listen, Zacharias, I can't have you speaking out that unbelief because your words have power. They have the, words have the power of life and death. Therefore, I'm going to put you on mute. You see, I think we have a real problem. I think we don't really believe the power that our words carry. And because of that, we are very, very careless with what we say. We're very careless what we say when it comes to what God wants to do around my life, in my life, through my life. Around my family and my church and my my work environment and, and my friends. We're careless with what our words are, with what we say. We're so careless with those things because we really, truly don't believe that they have power. And one of the things that has to happen, I believe, is we have to become intentional with this thing. We have to begin to understand the actual power that are in our words. You know, I remember when we started, began to get our kids to drive. (coughs) And (laughs) Yep, I can hear the parents in the church. You know, and we get to that point where we begin to think putting kids behind the steering wheel of that car. <laughs> and you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, am I crazy? <laughs> Letting them get out and drive, get behind this powerful piece of machinery to go on the roads. It's a scary thing, huh? I mean, I solved the problem and dealt with my anxiety. I got Sue to teach them. <laughs> That was easy. I think the kids were actually quite pleased about that as well, actually. And I think Sue only screamed once, and I'm not going to tell you with which child. (laughs) She might have screamed with each of the children, I'm not too sure. But if you're a parent, you know what I mean. You know, when we're trying to teach kids to drive, we really want them to understand the power that they have. that, That when you're careless, bad things happen. You need to be aware of the power that you control because power can do harm. Well, it's exactly the same with our words. The Bible actually says, the Bible says that there is power of life and death in the words that come out of our mouth. And I just don't think we believe it because, to be honest, I think we are so careless with our words sometimes. God comes to us and he says, listen, I want to do something great in your life. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. I want to do this through your life. I want to do this with your workmates. I want to do something. And unfortunately, so often it's, yeah, nah, don't, nah, I can't, no, I can't see you working with, with, with Joe like that. I mean, you know, come on, God. He's, that's Joe. And we begin to declare and we begin to inhibit what is actually God wanting to do. You know, he told Zacharias, because there's unbelief in your heart, the angel says, listen, I'm just going to put you on mute for a little while, okay? Because we can't have what's in your heart coming out your mouth. You know, when I, I used to always think that Zacharias was being punished when I read this, but he wasn't. You know, God was protecting him. God was protecting him. He was allowing him time to deal with his unbelief. Have a little bit think about this. I'll give you a bit of time. I'll give you nine months, and we'll get back to you. He was giving him time so he could partner with God in this amazing thing that what God was about to do with him and his family. And you know he invites us to partner with him. And when we do it, when he does invite us, sometimes it's so huge, it's so opposite to what we think about our lives or what we think where we're at. We're, we're, we're so caught up in our situation, and he comes and he speaks a word to us. You know, we have to be so careful and intentional with the words that come out of our mouth. And also the words that we receive from others as well. If we're going to partner with them, we really need to deal with this. You know, I think one area that we've missed out on is speaking life over our own kids. Yeah, it's amazing the things that people say over kids. They make such careless declarations. I remember when I was working in my pharmacy one time, and there was a group, we had a primary school across the road, and this group of kids were coming through our shopping centre, and they were lovely kids, and they were there. But the teacher, some of the things she was saying over those kids, it was, oh... Actually, to be honest, what we did is Raymond and I stood on either side and said, Aren't these kids great? Well, they'll just, mate, we started declaring good things over them because this teacher was just, You kids are, you know, just laying into them. We've got to be so careful about what we do. You know, I mean, as parents, you know, oh boy, <laughs> you've got wait till the terrible twos, you know, <sighs> and then you're going to have the trying threes. And, hey, don't even let me get on to the fearsome vores. I mean, come on. And then teenagers. Oh, Jesus, help us. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, people would say that to me. You know, kind of, I never went, you know, <laughs> rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I came close to it a couple of times. But, man, I tell you what, I walked away and I thought, I am not going to receive those words for our kids. I am not going to speak those words or let those words be over our kids. You know, to be honest, when our kids, when we first became pastors and people would say things about, you know, our kids being PKs now. And I said to each one of our kids, I said, I'm never going to ask you anything of you because you're now a pastor's kid that I wouldn't have done because you're my child. You guys, you know, because people were starting to declare things over them, negative things. We've just, you know, we're we're so careless with the words we speak and the words we receive about stuff. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to partner with God what he intends to do with my kids. You know, and if you're a parent here today and you've got young kids, go in at night when they're asleep. And you declare, well, do it even when they're awake because they need to hear it as well. Beginning of the day, I used to say to our kids you know, as they were going to school, you, you, know, you guys are leaders, you're influencers. Have a great day. But declare it over your kids. Just the amazing things they are. The ama- prophesy who they're going to be. You know, because it's just this this whole stuff, it's so amazing. You know, a list of things that we can be so careless about. Finances, um, you know, relationships, you know, all those sorts of things. Oh, I'm going to start a business. Wow, really? Well, I started a business once and it didn't go good. Best of luck with that one. You know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. We need to, you know... you know we have to stop speaking our experience over other people we really do i might have had a certain experience with my teenagers but that's my experience and just because it's my experience doesn't mean it's that it's going to be everybody's experience it's this kind of thing oh well i went through it you're going to go through it it isn't so We have to be careful what we are speaking over people because there is power in what we are saying. I tell you what, I want to partner with God and what he's doing in my life. And I want to partner with God and what he's doing in your life. And that means, therefore, that I have to be careful about what I'm saying. I have to be intentional. I want to be careful about the words coming out of my mouth. You know, we in New Zealand are really good at this. We really are. You know, we always want to make sure we put someone in their place. You know, there's, 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 people are always happy to say something about someone. And I know it's a cultural thing. And I know we kind of are, oh, well, that's Kiwis. But I think we really need to be careful about what we're sowing into people's lives. Because you see, we're not just Kiwis. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. And that's where we should be drawing our strength from. Ephesians four twenty nine. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, and, and listen, I know this. I know this firsthand because if there's one characteristic that I would have lived out of in my life, it's negative declarations. Not over others, but over me. And I would declare again and again negative words over my own life. And it wasn't even related to what was going on because I have lived in the so much favor of God throughout my life. Yeah, we've had lots of hard things, and most of you know them because I've shared them with you. We've had hard things happen, but through every single thing I've known the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. But I would still speak negative things over my life. You know, I used to joke. That, you know, I wasn't a half-full glass or half-empty glass. My glass was cracked and it was leaking. You know, that was kind of my, my outlook on life. And yet there was no reason to do that. But it was something I'd locked into. And it wasn't about life and death even. It was just little things that I would declare over my own life. And not realize that God wanted to do something more in me. And that I was actually closing him down. Because I wasn't allowing him to speak who I was and to declare who I am. You see, sometimes we're so clear, careless, and we're so flip with our words. We need to understand the power that they have. And sometimes I think we should all be put on mute. (laughs) Not all at once, (laughs) but you know, sometimes I when I feel well, anyhow, I feel I should be put on mute. You know, I mean, you think about Peter actually. Peter, the only time that he took his foot out of his mouth was to change feet. I mean, he was always in trouble. You know what I mean? You know, we come and we say, God, just, you know, God comes to us and he says, listen, I want to do this great thing in your life. I'm going to help you out for a while. Why don't you just keep quiet? You see, my words are either partnering with God and creating his plans and purposes or they're undermining what he wants to do. My words either are partnering with God and creating his plans and purposes or they are undermining what he wants to do. My words only come from one of two places. They either come from unbelief or they come from faith. So the question then is, how do I speak from a place of faith rather than than, than a place of unbelief? And what I want to do is I want to read a verse, and this is what the Bible describes it as. It says I want to take your words, because you see, if you you take our words and you follow the thread of those words and go down to the source of them, you find it eventually leads to our heart. If words are our fruit and you follow it through, then you reach the root, and the root is really our heart. So the words that I'm speaking actually come from and are connected to something that is going on in my heart. This is what Jesus said. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know, And listen, this message today is not a beat you up message or anything else like that. It's a message because I want to see more life. I want to go after the things in the kingdom, and it's such an important thing. I believe that as we learn to, to speak, you know, we, we talk about testimonies, we talk about declarations, and I'll probably talk about those over the next few weeks. It brings life. This is part of partnering with God for the greatness that he has in your life. And so this is, a, please hear this as an encouragement today. As a, hey, how do we do this better? Now, I've been talking about community. I've been talking about growing together. These are important things and part of it is learning to speak the right words. Yeah? So if a mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know, Many times we find out what is in our heart by what comes out of our mouths when it's times of pressure. I think many times pressure is actually a good thing because it, re- it reveals things for us it actually shows what's going on in my heart and you know what, it doesn't need to be a discouraging moment but it's like wow, I didn't even know that was in there some years ago some, some stuff had gone down and, and um, it had been a really, really hard time and um, yeah, it had been, been a hard and painful time Anyhow, probably two months later, three months later, we'd finished this thing and someone rang me. And a good person, friend, and they rang me. And I picked up and answered the phone and they, and I, and they, um, they said, Oh, hi, uh, how are you? And the words came out of my mouth, Good, why, what are you going to do to me? And I thought, Wow, wow, what was going on in my heart? What was happening? And it wasn't a bad thing. It was for me to realize I was so thankful because Jesus showed me that there was still stuff in there. There was still a tenderness that I needed to bring to him. There was still something going on that, that, that needed to be just brought before the Father and healed. So, you know, it doesn't need to be a discouraging. When pressure comes on, it allows us to actually see who we are and know. Because so often when unbelief is in my heart, wrong ways of thinking, lies that I was believing, or whatever it is, I have to deal with those things. You know, there's a, there's a story, an old story about a farmer and he had two identical vats on his farm. One was vinegar and one was honey and they were exactly the same. And the city guy came out to him and he said, tell me, how do you know what, what is in what vat? They look identical. And the farmer said, oh, that's easy. I just go and kick it, and whatever comes out is what's in it. See, we want to find out what's inside us. Do you want to find out what's inside your heart? Then get under some pressure and see what comes out your mouth. Because what's in my heart is either faith or unbelief. So what comes out of my faith mouth is belief or unbelief. And unbelief begins to determine what God, um, sorry, undermine what God wants to do. Unbelief undermines what God wants to do. Whereas belief actually partners with God and what He wants to do. You see, if I'm going to speak from that place of faith, then I've got to come to that place of faith in my words. Because it's not just about fixing my words, I need to see what's going on inside of my heart. Because unbelief is rooted, anchored, in our life circumstances, and our feelings, and our perception of reality. Unbelief is rooted and anchored in our life circumstances, our feelings, and our perception of reality. See, an angel comes to Zacharias. He's an angel from God. He shows up supernaturally in an angelic encounter. He says, your prayers have been answered. You're going to have a son. Here's what's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. And Zacharias' response is, get out of here. (laughs) How can that be? And then he begins to give the angel a list of circumstances on how he sees reality. Well, I'm old. My wife is old. So I really love what you're telling me, angel, but here's some reality. And you know, we justify and give ourselves permission to speak certain ways because we have a list of what we consider reality as I don't have, the reality is, you know, you've said this incredible word about me, but God, the reality is I don't have any money in my bank, bank account. You've come with this great plan about your purposes for me. But hey, let me show you my reality. And here's my list of things. You know what? Unbelief is not really the lack of belief. Understand this. Unbelief is not the lack of belief. It's just belief in the wrong thing. It's not like I don't believe. It's like I believe. It's just I believe in more and what I can see and what my reality is and what you're telling me, God. So you're coming and telling me that you have purposes and plans in my life. You're coming and telling me you want to do great things. Well, that is fine. But let me tell you what my circumstances are. And then we give him this great list of things of why he can't work in our life. And here's the issue that it, that it's in my heart more it's more than our words. And I anchored my list in what I perceive reality as this. You see, faith listen to this faith is not acting like there is not a mountain in front of you. All right? Faith is like is not like there's no mountain, there's no mountain, there's no mountain, there's no mountain. Faith is not that there is no mountain, faith is knowing that there is a word greater than the mountain. There is a greater reality than that mountain. And that's what we have to believe, the word of the Lord. That's the thing, you know. I'm old, my wife is old. Hey, but listen, there's a greater reality than that. So if unbelief is anchored in the the thing that I am more connected to my circumstances and my feelings and my perceptions and reality and facts are, then faith is simply anchored in his word. Faith is anchored in this, in his word. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. See, in other words, when I'm I'm in the word, my ability to hear increases. And when I can hear, faith comes. So if you want faith in your life, it starts with the word. Because that opens up hearing. It's the word of God in my life that begins to create faith. That is why we must be diligent about putting his word in our hearts. You see, because what comes out of my mouth is connected to my heart. And if unbelief is coming out of my mouth, then there is unbelief in my heart. So, what do I do then? If unbelief is because of what's happening in my heart, then I need to get the word of God in my heart. I've got to get his word in there and begin to replace that unbelief. And it doesn't mean when I talk about getting word, I'm not just talking about, you know, looking for the word of God for that situation. We need to be, be going more than that. Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. See, we we put it in... We fill our hearts with the word of God, so there is no room for unbelief, because I've got the word in me. Many years ago, Sue and I went to Hawaii on a holiday, and, and uh, part of the experience was catching a, a, a shuttle. And I always love when I start a story like this, because Sue's head goes up and she starts, her eyebrows cruching, "Oh Jesus, what's he going to talk about now?" <laughs> Be at peace, my darling. So anyhow, so we're getting into this, this um, airport shuttle, and it was full, or so we thought. But there was this little Hawaiian lady who just kept pushing people in. And, she kept pu- and honestly, she pushed them in to the point where the last person was actually overflowing outside the door. And she kind of took a step back, hit him, and the door shut, and we went off. And we're all there. How you I'm going to. I'm going to. So when we opened the door, we didn't so much get out as collapse out in a heap. It's real, true. That was what it was like. It was just, you know, so full. Well, you know what? That's the picture of what we need. We need to have so much word in us that when our bus pulls up and there's some unbelief wanting to get in, we say, "Look, I'd love to put you in here, but there's just no room. I'm sorry." It's full of God's word. There's so much word in me. I've hidden your word in my heart. So what comes out of my mouth is faith. What comes out of my mouth is belief. And what comes out of my mouth is not unbelief. You see, we have to speak his word. That's the key. Faith is grounded in his word. It's connected to his word. The angel comes and says, this is what I'm going to do and faith looks like okay this is what god's going to do it's not and it's not like i've got to work myself up i've got to get really disciplined with my words i've got to i got to get it's simply i got to i've got his word in my heart so i believe what he's saying you see when the when his word is in my heart and when i begin to speak that his word creates faith we need to learn to say what jesus is saying about us And what is happening? If you don't know what Jesus is saying about you, ask him. Take a quiet time, sit down and ask him. You know, he's talking to us all the time. We've just got so much white noise going on in our lives, so much static, we actually don't take time to hear him. And here's a test. Jesus speaks hope, he speaks encouragement, and he speaks belief in you, always. Even when it's correction, it's hey Trent, in this area here, why don't we just have a little bit of a work on that? Because I want to bring some more hope into that area. I want to bring some more peace into that area. You don't seem to be doing so well here, so why don't we just have some more peace? Because that's how He is. He wants to speak into you. Let Jesus tell you what He sees in you. You see, we say all this other stuff based on our feelings and our circumstances. And we don't say what he's saying. You see, if I ingest the word of God regularly and intentionally because I want to fill my heart with it, then I will know what he is saying about my circumstances, my situations, the world we live in now. You know, listen, our society is feeling so hopeless and powerless So many people are feeling hopeless and powerless and they begin to talk like it. But if I begin to talk like I'm hopeless and if I begin to talk like I'm powerless, if I'm speaking, then I have to stop and say, hang on a minute. If I'm speaking out of hopelessness, then obviously I don't have his word in my heart. Because you know what? There is nowhere, there is nowhere in scripture that you will go and find that it's hopeless. There is nowhere where you. There is nowhere where you come to God, and He goes, "Ah, oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> that thing that's happening to you right now, man. I can sort out a lot of things, but truly, that situation that you're in, it is hopeless. <laughs> you know, I'm really sorry about that. God never does that." There is nowhere in Scripture does it tell me that I'm hopeless. Nowhere in Scripture does it tell me that I'm hopeless. Nowhere. So if I'm speaking as if I am hopeless, if I'm speaking as if I'm powerless, I have to recognize, hang on a minute, this isn't right. And I have to go and I have to get this word in me. I have to hide his word in my heart. You know, there are times where, as I said, usually after I've opened my mouth, I think, oh, God, I wish I'd just pushed the mute button five minutes earlier. I'm not helping things. I'm not helping with my words. But you know what? The goal is not silence. If I have unbelief in my heart, it's not that I I stop saying anything. could be a decent first step sometimes. (laughs) But it's not about the unbelief in your heart. The goal is not silence because I have unbelief. The goal is to speak faith because His Word is in my heart. And that's where we each have to get to. We have to get to where we recognize the faith of God that's in our heart. Speaking things where we're partnering with the plans and purposes of God. You see, the goal is that I believe and then I speak. Listen to this passage, 2 Corinthians 4.13. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Yeah, sometimes, as I said, the goal might be to start by saying, I think I'll just go on mute for a while. But it's only for a while. As I said, if you read more of the story of Zacharias, eventually he spoke. And when he did speak, it was pretty powerful stuff. I he had nine months to get the whole thing worked out. <laughs> he had nine months to go and figure out what the word of the Lord was. And when he spoke, it was so powerful. You know, I know things come and, and we get worried or lies want to come into our lives. And, and I just want to encourage you, know, the way I do it is I just get in a place by myself and I begin to look at it and I begin to think exactly what lie am I believing And then I ask God, what is the truth that I need? What is the truth that covers that lie? Because I know when I get his truth in my heart, I begin to speak from that place of faith. And when I speak, there's power to create and partner with God in what he intends to do. You know, I don't want my words to undermine what God is trying to do in me. In my life, in my family, in my relationships, in my church, in my future. I want my words to be partnering with his plans and his purposes. That's why the angel put Zacharias on mute. Because right now, Zacharias, your words aren't partnering with him. And you're going to be mute until you come to a place where you believe. But then speak. Speak in faith. If you're in unbelief, don't speak. But listen, don't stay there. Get to a place of belief where the word is in you and then speak. Speak the glory of God. Speak the power of God. And there is something powerful released in you. It'll be released through you, around you, and in you. And the power of God will be released in your life and into your situation. And there'll be a release of victory, life, and hope. Amen? Amen. Let's stand, shall we? Can I have the worship team?